right into what we're talking about this morning. Well, we've talked about doing justice and loving mercy, and we've kind of spent a great deal of time explaining those, so hopefully that's clear what we mean by doing justice and loving mercy. Um, doing justice is, is not just, not, not just uh, getting involved in some of the you know, political causes and social justice, but it goes actually deeper than that, and that's what we talked about in the first week. And last week we talked about loving mercy and how as, as followers of Jesus Christ, when we, when, we, when we are called into the kingdom, we actually need to have in our hearts the feeling of compassion for one another and for others, for other human beings made in God's image, that, that we not, to, not only need to be stirred intellectually to care for the needs of others, but that in our hearts we need to be feeling the desires of, of caring for one another. But today we're going to talk about walking humbly with God. We've talked about this many times, and we've, we've said it probably in many different ways over the time that we've been here and we've been 6-8 church, but this morning I think maybe I have a little bit different take on it that, that I want to uh, point your attention to, and we'll get to that in just a minute. But any of you have pets like a dog that you've walked? Now, I don't know, I don't know about you, but we had a dog. His name was Joey, and we used to take him on walks when we lived up in Longview around Lake Sacagawea, you know that lake up there that kind of runs through the whole middle of the town. And, and when he was a puppy, we just had a collar and a leash. And I don't know if you've experienced this, but when you're taking a puppy or a younger dog for a walk until they know how to be on a collar, what do they do? They what? They bite it? They fight it, yeah. They're constantly pulling on it, right? And, and they just literally choke themselves the whole time you're out on this walk. And so you're going out on, out on a walk to give the dog exercise and get it outside, but in the end it ends up choked half to death because, because it's constantly pulling on the collar and pulling on the leash. You know, it wants to chase things this way and go and sniff and investigate things the other way. Well, we, found, we had somebody in the church that, uh, that raised guide dogs, blind, you know, blind guide dogs, and, and they said, well, there's a, a different kind of collar you can get that's actually really helpful, and it's one that instead of going around the neck, comes around the shoulders, and it almost works like, like a, a, a horse's bit, right? Because when you have it, you can almost just kind of steer and navigate the dog by pulling it one direction, and you don't have to pull hard, you just kind of pull, and then it restricts the dog in, in that area, and it goes where you want it to go, you know? So um, that, was, that was kind of a learning thing, but then, then we had kids, and I don't know if you know this, but but human kids are different than dog kids, right? I mean, I'm not trying to put anyone down, but, but there, is a, there is a vast difference between, between how puppies act and react to you as, as a human and how kids and little kids react to you as a human. And you know, remember when you, when you have the baby, the first, first time you have the baby, Hannah was our, our oldest, and so I'm going to embarrass her, but you, know, you get that baby and you hold it in your arms for the first time, and, and this feeling of, oh, what in the world is going on just kind of overcomes you, right? I mean, it's like, I am not prepared for this in any way, shape, or form. I am not responsible for this little life that's in my hands. It cannot do anything on its own. It absolutely needs me to carry it and care for it and do all of the things. But then over the course of the first year, the, the baby goes through a lot of changes, and it starts to crawl and, and, and investigate things on its own. And then eventually, you know, depending on your kid, you know, whether it's maybe 11 months, 10 months, to, to 16 months, they, they start walking on their own, right? And then now you're able to go 
on walks. And now I know some parents use a leash for their kids, but a lot of time when, when you're going on a walk, you, you hold their hand, right? You just kind of hold their hand, and, and at first they just, they just go wherever you go. Wherever you go, they're, they're just happy to go. But then they get a little bit older, right? And, and, and they want to start running ahead, and, but you're still, you're still holding on to that hand because you know that if you just let them run on ahead, they're going to run out into the street and things aren't going to go well. So, so, so you, and then, but then as they grow up and as they get even older, then they start letting go of your hand more and more, right? And they just walk off on their own until they get to the point where they're you know, old enough that they just go wherever they want to go. And they, they, don't, they don't need your hand to guide them anymore. And we're, we're kind of cherishing the last of that in our house. I, I, I was thinking about it this week, paying attention to it with our youngest, Harper. She still, when we're in an uncertain place, when things aren't clear, when it's not sure how we should interact, she'll still run up like in a parking lot and grab my hand and walk, you know, walk holding hands. And, and I think it's just because, you know, when you're in a new place, when you're not sure how things are supposed to go, you, you walk. But eventually, you're going to walk on your own. Eventually, the goal, I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I don't see very many 30 or 40-year-olds holding mom and dad's hand anymore, right? I mean, we, we eventually let go of mom and dad's hand, and we go and walk on our own. And, and there's a lot of significance in each one of these words that we're going to look at this morning, these four words, walk humbly with God. I want to talk about our walk. I want to talk about what it means to walk humbly. I want to talk about that word with and from the perspective of God. Now we're in Micah 6.8, our, our key verse here is a church, and it goes like this, he has shown you, O man, is how, what our translation has in there, but the word there is mortal, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, or some translations say to act justly, and to love mercy, some translations will say to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Now we shorten it to those three phrases, do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly, but, but there's this key word there that we cannot ignore and we cannot miss, with your God. Now I want to look at some words and kind of paint the picture and maybe give us a, a common a foundation before we dig a little bit deeper, but let's look at that word mortal. This was something that I learned this week. I'm not a Hebrew scholar. I don't know a lot about the biblical languages like Rob does. If you have questions about the Bible language, you can go talk to him. He'd be happy to share with you. He's very informed on that. But the word for mortal or man is Adam. That's the Hebrew word for man, right? That's the Hebrew word. That's, when you read through the Hebrew, it's Adam, Adam, or Adam, or however you say it. But we say Adam. So, it's literally, he has shown you, O oh Adam, what is good. And I think there's, there's some significance to why the word for man, talking about mankind, human, people, in Hebrew is the word Adam, and it's to remind us of how God made us in the very beginning. We are mortals made in God's image. Just like Adam was made in God's image in the very beginning when God created man for the first time, we too, just like Adam, are mortals made in the image of God. So when you see that word, O oh mortal, or, or O oh man, you can, you can bring into that the idea of being a, a human being made in God's image. So he has shown you, O oh human being made in God's image, what is good. 
And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? Now, throughout the Old Testament, this word of walking with God is a metaphor used to describe your relationship walking with God. It's used to describe the idea of literally exercising the instructions given to us by God. So like when you go on a walk, you're going out and you're walking and you're getting exercise in the process of walking. Walking with God is literally exercising what God has given us, exercising the instructions given to us with God. Walking with God is doing what God asks of us. When you're walking with God, when God is the one that you're choosing to walk with, then you are going to receive God's guidance, God's commands, and God's direction. So he has shown you, O human being made in God's image, that you should walk humbly with God. Now this word humble, this is the only place this specific word for humble is used in the Old Testament. There are other words to talk about humility that are used in other places, but this is the only place this word is used in the entire Old Testament. So it's, 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 it's really, it's kind of a set-apart word. It's, it's a word that is, that is in and of itself different. But it means to, to show humility or even modesty, to be lowly, be modest, be humble, be lowly. A derivative of the word is used in, in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 2, and we're going to get to that in, in just a minute, and it kind of gives a little more understanding of that. But, but when we're walking humbly, you could almost en- envision it a- as though you're, you're walking in such a way that you're not the one trying to receive you know, the attention in the walk. You get what I'm saying? It's like, it's like you acknowledge when you're walking humbly with God, you're, you're holding somebody's hand who's a lot bigger than you. Like we did when we were kids and we'd hold our parents' hand and we'd go for a walk, right? I mean, when you're holding your kid's hand, their, kid, your, their hand is way up here because you realize that the person you're walking with is, is much greater than you are, right? It's much bigger than you. You have an entirely different perspective down here than they have up there. God is greater than us. And so as we walk humbly, it's almost as though we're walking through life with a position as though we're making much of God by the way that we walk. So, walking, exercising, we are to exercise, live out God's commands, right? We're supposed to exercise, put them into practice, and follow God's guidance and His direction as we walk with Him. And we do it all in a way that God gets the glory and the credit. It's very important that we understand this concept, especially as we apply it to doing justice and loving mercy, All of these things we've been talking about doing for the last several weeks here as a church, whether it's in the sermon or through what we call the 6-8 experience, all of them are for the purpose of walking humbly with God. It is not to make much of ourselves. It is that we might live lives of doing justice and loving mercy, and we do it in a way that God gets all the glory all along the way. So I have to ask a question, and this is the question that's going to frame our entire time this morning. And this is the perspective shift that that I've had this last couple of weeks as I've been thinking about this passage. It's asking myself this question, am I walking humbly with God 
or am I trying to get God to walk with me? Think back to the, to, to the two illustrations, both of the dog and the kids. Now, please don't hear me calling you a dog. It's just an illustration, right? Just to help paint the picture. But, you know, when you walk the dog, the dog a lot of times is walking the owner. You know what I mean? You've seen that, right? You've got these big dogs and, the, and they're on a leash, but the, the owner's walking along, but, you know, can, can barely keep up. But the child... The child is walking with the parent. The child willingly reaches out to grab mom or dad's hand. The child wants to walk with. Are we walking humbly with God or are we trying to get God to walk with us? Are we being humble and obedient? Are we serving God with our lives as we exercise what he tells us, as we work it out in our lives? Are we walking in that way or are we being proud and walking ahead and pursuing our own ambitions. Another question to ask would be, are are we seeking only for God to bless our path and not direct it? It's like we want want to walk a really nice path, and we want the path of blessing, but we want it to be our own path, right? We want it to be our own direction that we're going. Are, Are we seeking for God to just bless our path and say, you know what, God, this is what I want to do. This is how I want to live. This is where I want to go. Will you just bless it? Or are we actually looking for God to direct it? If you look at the life of Jesus, you'll see a perfect example of what it means to walk humbly with God. You can see throughout Scripture that that he did nothing apart from the Father. There was nothing that Jesus did that was for his own glory. There was a moment in Jesus' life where he would be glorified, but it was because God the Father gave that to him to be glorified in that moment. But he wasn't doing things for his own glory. In fact, we see often that Jesus would go and talk with the Father. He would go and spend time with the Father in prayer and, and, and talk with him before he did important things and had big, big things that were happening in his life and ministry. We see a constant example of Jesus going and talking with the Father and doing only what the Father has given him to do. So are we living and following the example of Jesus in this way, or, or are we trying to get God to bless our path? I want to talk to you really quickly about, about a couple of key things about what, what are the primary methods we use to walk humbly with God, and then uh, I've got a few points I want to make here at the end. But, but I think there are, there are three methods that we can really use to walk humbly with God, and they're ongoing and consistent, and that's the only way they work is if they're ongoing and consistent all the time. The first one is Prayer. The Bible tells us, I think, in 1st or 2nd Thessalonians 5.17, give or take a couple of verses, that, that we're supposed to pray without ceasing. We're supposed to live a life of prayer where we're constantly in communication or communion with God the Father. We're supposed to be in continual, consistent, constant communication with God the Father, listening to His voice. So we, through, through what we call praying without ceasing, we need to develop a lifestyle of talking to and listening to our Heavenly Father. Do we have the right perspective of our Heavenly Father? Is, is He our Heavenly Father or do we see Him as our Heavenly Boss? 
Is He our heavenly Father, or do we see Him as our heavenly genie? If we're going to walk with God, we have to understand who God is, and He is our heavenly Father, and our heavenly Father just happens to want to know you and walk with you. So we have to develop a lifestyle of praying without ceasing, being in constant communication, interaction, dialogue, both speaking and listening to God, talking to God, saying, what do you want me to do in this moment? What do you want me to do today? Where do you want me to go? Where do you want me to follow you as you lead me along the path? Where, Where is it that you want me to go? And then stopping to actually listen. We need to approach God in the right way. We need to approach God in this way. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. So if we're looking for God to direct our paths, which is something I really want in my life, I don't know about you, but I hope we're all in agreement that we would like God to direct our paths. We want God to tell us where to go so that we can live the life that He has given us to live, not going off in our own directions, veering left or right, but walking the path. Well, what is the approach then to walk this path? Well, we have to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Your heart. Do you trust God with your heart, with your, with your motives, your feelings, your affections, with, with those things that are, that are the deepest part of you? Do you trust God with your heart? I mean, I know a lot of us trust Him with our minds, and intellectually we agree that there is a God, and, and we have given our lives to Him, but do we trust Him, do we trust in Him with all of our heart? Do we often go to God for God's understanding, His wisdom, His, His instruction, or do we often choose our own ways instead? Are we looking to be patted on the back and, and lauded and praised because of the way that we're living our lives? Or are we saying, you know what, in God, it's all about God and all of these things and all of my ways and everything I do and how I live my life, it's all about acknowledging Him. These are the expectations. This is the kind of life that walks with God. 2 Chronicles chapter 7.14, I remember this verse. It's one of the ones that I've memorized because of songs that we sang growing up. Um, but it's one that, that comes to mind often when we're talking about prayer. It says, if my people, my people, God is saying, if my people who are called by my name... So that's, 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 he's talking specifically about the people of Israel, but through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, we are now brought into the my people category... We're grafted into the vine, right? We're brought into the family, adopted as sons and daughters, and we have the same rights as the child. So if my people, us, his followers, who are called by my name, we're called Christians, right? We're called by the name of Christ, will humble themselves. That's where where we're starting. We humble ourselves and pray. When was the last time we humbled ourselves before we approached God in prayer? When was the last time we started from a humble position? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face 
question I ask quite often, I heard from another pastor, is are you seeking God's face or God's hand? Are we seeking to know God or are we seeking to get stuff from God? Are you seeking his face or his hand? If my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, seek the Father, seek knowing God, seek a relationship with God, actually seek God himself for the purpose of knowing God himself, not so that we can get something from God, but so that we can actually know the one who made us and created us, pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways. I think oftentimes it's one of the reasons we, we would like God to just bless our lives instead of walk the life He wants us is because there are certain things that we like and we don't want to give up. There are things that we've gotten used to or, or even maybe it's just our pride that we want God to walk with us instead of walking with Him and that might be the thing that we need to repent of. But if we do these things, then we will hear from heaven and God will forgive, will forgive our sin and will heal our land. So we have to develop a lifestyle of praying without ceasing, walking God hum, with, humble, with humility and walking with Him in prayer. Are we seeking His face or His hand? I heard a pastor say this week, he said, don't let your problems be your only motive for prayer. But there's another one I would like to word and throw in there. Don't let your profit or your problems be your only motive for prayer. Don't let what you want from God or the things you would like God to fix be the only reason you ever talk to God. Yes, bring them to Him. Yes, come to God when you are in those moments where you need His help. Absolutely, that is how we should do it. But that should not be the only motive for ever going to God. We need to listen to him and communion with him as much as we talk to him and ask of him. We have to develop a, a lifestyle of praying without ceasing. We need to be in constant prayer and communion with God so that as we're walking through our day-to-day -day life, he's going to tell us to, hey, go here and care for this person. Walk over across the street and minister to that person. This person that you, that you walk by every day in their cubicle, they're walking through a really hard time. Just be, be, be in a position where we're walking humbly with God and he can actually lead us to those moments where we can follow him and be his instrument of grace and mercy. We have to develop a lifestyle of, walk, of praying without ceasing. But the only way to know what God's voice sounds like, and that's one of the questions that I've asked and, and have been asked many times, is how do you know what God's voice sounds like? Well, the best way to know what God's voice sounds like is by reading His voice. Read the Word, read the Bible, and learn what God's voice sounds like. You can learn how, how He talks as you read through His Word, and many, many, many times He will use His Word to speak to us today what He wants us to do. So we have to, if we're going to walk humbly with God and, and go wherever God leads us, we have to know what God's voice sounds like, and so we have to know through God's Word what to listen for. 
So if you think of prayer this way as, as the fluid, I don't know if you remember the, the Brita filters. I know probably some of you have Brita filters or different water filtration systems. But, but a, lot of, a lot of filters are two or three stage filters, right? There's a couple of, a couple of different layers to the filter. You, and the, we did these science experiments back, back in high school, right? Where you had, you had the big rocks at the top and then you had the smaller gravel and then you had the sand and maybe you'd have some charcoal and all these different layers. And, and as you poured the dirt dirty water in the top, the big rocks would catch the bigger debris and sift it out, and then the water would slowly work its way down through all the different layers, and then if you had done a good job, your water would come out clean on the bottom. So if we think of prayer as our dialogue, our conversation with God as the fluid, as something that, that we're talking and working with as the fluid through which we're trying to gain understanding, the first filter that we need to run it through is God's Word. We need to take this prayer, this conversation, and run it through. Now, now, as we walk through this process, we're going to talk about when God gives us not only those day-to-day -day interactions, but maybe God is giving us some bigger things he wants us to do for him. How do we know when God wants us to pursue something or walk in a specific direction? Well, when God speaks to you through prayer, you need to run it through the filter of his word. Of course, you need to be in his word all the time so that you know first if this is God telling you to do something or to not do something so that you know what his voice sounds like. But then we need to take what God tells us and run it through the filter of his revealed word. So if this walk, you know, this walk, walking humbly with God, if this whole walk is about being obedient to God's guidance, His commands, and His direction, which is how we described it at the very beginning. If that's what this walk is about, then we have to know what God says we're supposed to do and how He would guide and direct us. We have to be familiar with His teaching and familiar with His voice. Because we're not just trying to get God to bless what we want to do, we're trying to actually do what God wants us to do. And if through a season of prayer God has given you something to do, but you don't want to take it to God's Word to run it through the filter of God's Word, there is a good chance that you're just trying to get Him to bless what you already want to do. If you have through, uh, through moments of prayer, and I, find, I have found myself in this situation, through moments of prayer feel like God has told you to do something, but you don't want to take it to his word to run it through that filter, there's a good chance we're just walking in pride because we just want to do what we want to do and we just want God to bless it. But what if through prayer, through, through this fluid coming down through the filter of the word, what if we run it through that filter and we don't, we don't see anything, there aren't any red flags, but we're still not sure? Well, I think the second filter then becomes God's community. The community that God has put you in right here at 6A Church, that, that this would be your second filter. So then we have to come to, in, in our faith-based community, our, our, our Christian community of brothers and sisters in Christ who are supposed to be walking in prayer with God, walking humbly with God, listening to God, who are supposed to be in communion with God, studying and reading His Word and letting God speak to them, and have received God's wisdom and understanding and direction, then we bring that into our faith community, and then we ask, does what God has said to you when we have run it through God's Word hold water when it's shared with other believers in Christ? Or does it all just kind of get stopped up in the filter? 
Is there still something that comes out? Or is it all just kind of caught in the filter? James chapter 3, verse 17 says, But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, accommodating, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and not hypocritical. And the fruit that consists of righteousness is planted in peace among those who make peace. The fruit that consists of righteousness is planted in peace among those who make peace. So here we are in a room full of peacemakers, a room full of people who are supposed to be about making peace. And if we have a question about what God is calling us to do, we should be able to bring in those things that are supposed to consist of righteousness and see if they're planted in peace among those who make peace. Or is what we have been given by God something that that goes in contrary motion to these things of being pure, peaceable, gentle, accommodating, full of mercy, impartial, and not hypocritical? If what God has given to us doesn't fit through that filter, then it's probably not what God wants us to do. 1 John chapter 4, 1 says, Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see if they are from God. It's talking specifically about the spirit of this age and the false teachers that come in to lead people astray. We're supposed to test to see if it is in alignment with God's Word. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 20 says, Listen to advice and receive discipline that you may become wise by the end of your life. There are many plans in a person's mind, but it is the counsel of the Lord which will stand. We have many plans in our minds. I have a lot of plans in my mind, a lot of ideas constantly running through my mind. If I don't have a grid or a filter through which to run these ideas, I, I run the risk of running out and doing things on my own and being for my own purposes instead of God's. So if we aren't willing to share with, what, with that which God has given to us with our trusted community of God-guided, Holy Spirit-filled believers, because we just really want to do this, we feel we want to do this, and we're afraid someone will tell us that we shouldn't, we might be walking in pride. Now, I know we're trying to cover this whole big idea of you know, decision-making and doing God's will, and we're trying to do it in a really short order, well, I want to try to just maybe bring some conclusion to that concept, because there's a question that actually is in the Bible. You can find this in places. What if the community doesn't agree? Well, if the community doesn't agree, we go back to prayer, and we ask ourselves this question, I think, as we are in prayer. Are we seeking God's face or His hand? Are we seeking to know God, and is this thing God has given us to do going to help us to know God and make Him known? Are we seeking God's face, or are we just wanting God to bless us? And we go back to His Word again. Are we seeking, though, in, in reading His Word, are we seeking revelation or validation? Are we seeking God to just, to just give His stamp of approval on what we're trying to do, or are we letting God speak to us through His Word so that we might gain His understanding? And then we can bring it back to the community. And as we bring it back to the community, we have to ask this question, are you seeking guidance 
or a go-ahead? Are we seeking guidance from the community that God has put us in, the faith-based community of Holy Spirit-filled believers who are walking by God's truth? Do we want that Holy Spirit-filled community of God's truth to guide us as we move forward, or do we just want their blessing as we go ahead? What if, though, still, it seems like this is something we're supposed to do? And there might be a time in your life where God wants you to do something that doesn't make sense to the people around you. And we have to be obedient to following him as long as our motive is making much of God in the process. But I can hear this question, it comes up in my mind, what if I was wrong? Like what, if I, what, if I, what if I thought I was supposed to do this, but I was wrong? There's grace. I think maybe we make too much of this idea of doing God's will, that, that we, that we kind of psych ourselves out that we, because we put a, a huge weight on it, and it, it should come with, with weight and responsibility because we want to do what God wants us to do, but, but it's never really a make-or-break thing. At least it shouldn't be. If in the end what we thought God was telling us to do was wrong, then we just repent, right? We just ask for forgiveness wherever we need to seek forgiveness and walk in grace. So for walking humbly with God, we need to develop these filters through which we can make these kind of decisions. Because yes, I want us to be focused on living out our day-to-day interactions where we're walking with God all of the time and He leads us to do things on a day-by-day basis. But I also firmly believe that God has brought people here with bigger ideas than what we're currently living out and seeing in this church that God is creating at 6-8. And there will be times when I think God will plant ideas in your hearts and your minds that He wants to raise up and grow up in us. And I want to make sure that those don't get lost because we were afraid or lost because we didn't know where to take them or what to do with them. We have to do it all with humility. We have to both share what God has given us to do with humility and listen with humility. Psalm 138 verse 6 says, Though the Lord is exalted, He takes note of the lowly and recognizes the proud from far away. Literally, God keeps his distance from the proud. Does God seem far away to you this morning? Does it seem like there's distance between you and God? Could it be that pride has crept into your life? The word for humble that we've talked about in Micah comes is also used in a different form in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 2. It says, when pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. The fruit of pride is disgrace. What, what pride is going to produce in our lives is disgrace. That's what we can expect. The fruit of humility will be wisdom. If we are walking humbly with God, we can expect to gain wisdom. And in fact, this is a verse that is quoted several times in the New Testament. James chapter 4, verse 6 through 10 says, He gives, God gives greater grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. So, submit to God. But resist the devil and he will flee from you. That's all you have to do, by the way. You just have to resist. Just, just don't, don't give in to what the devil is bringing up in front of you. Just, just resist it and he will flee. That's what 
what Scripture teaches is the truth. And what's the contrast to that? Resist the devil and he will flee to you. Draw near to God. Right? Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Draw near to God. Reach out your hand to walk with God and the promise is he will draw near to you. Then James says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and make your hearts pure, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and weep. Turn your laughter into mourning and your joy into, into despair. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Draw near to God. Is God always with you? Yes. God is always with us, even when we're not walking where he wants us to walk. God is always with us. But does that mean we should go wherever we want and just expect and make God tag along? And let me ask, do you really want to be anywhere in your life that God doesn't want you to be? Do you really want to go somewhere that God doesn't want you to go? We should understand that God wants what's best for us and what's good for us, the the goodness of what God has for us. And if we are willing to walk humbly with God, He will lead us where He wants to go for those things that will be for our good. So I think we spend so much time, maybe too much time, going where we want and not enough time going where God wants. We need to draw near to God. We need to pull in close to God. We need to grab God's hand and and let Him walk and guide us along the way. That verse is also used in 1 Peter 5, verse 5. says, In the same way you who are younger be subject to the elders, and all of you, that's all of us, me, you, everyone, All believers, all of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Our approach to one another as the body of Christ must be humble. We must come to relationship with one another in in a humble way, not not a a pride and an arrogance, but, but a humility, because the longer you walk with God, the more you realize it's because of God's goodness that you're walking at all. We need to be humble toward one another. Things can get out of whack real fast when we aren't clothed with humility to one another. Pride makes many assumptions, but humility makes much of grace. Pride assumes and judges the intentions of someone's heart, but humility assumes God. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. God gives greater grace. We have to be humble. I would say that we have to be humble to even be able to receive God's gift of grace. If we're going to actually receive the gift of the cross and put our faith in Jesus Christ, we have to approach it with humility, not with pride and arrogance, but humility. So are we walking humbly with God or are we just trying to make God walk with us? What does it look like to walk humbly with God? Well, I think it looks like what we talked about. It looks like reaching out and and taking a walk with your daddy. It's reaching out and and holding his hand and letting him lead. And when things get uncertain, you you reach out and hold his hand faster. You hold it a little bit tighter. When you don't know where you're going, where you're walking, you just reach out and grab it a little bit more. 
It's walking with him and letting him decide where he wants to take us and the path he wants us to go on. It's letting him decide when, when we need to stop and rest. It's listening to him as we walk with him and letting him tell us everything about what's around us and tell us everything about us that he wants to tell us. It's letting him talk and lead, and and as he leads, it's listening to him, and as he leads, he's going to lead us across someone's path and, and letting him lead us across someone's path. And when he tells us to go over there and love them like he's loving us in this moment, then, then we follow where he has led us because we are being so greatly loved right now in the present that we want those who God has led us to to experience that same kind of love. So we spend so much time Someone texted in, unless you become like a little child, you'll never, you'll never inherit the kingdom of God. We have to have faith in God like a child. Reach out and take your dad's hand. We spend so much of our lives trying to get God to approve of what we want and so little trying to see what God wants for our lives. We say, God, will you bless me? Say, God, will you give me this thing or that thing or do this or that? Will you fix this situation or will you change this other person that's causing the, the pain and the struggle in my life? Will you do these things for me? We spend so much of, a, of our lives trying to get God to approve of what we want and not nearly enough trying to see what God wants for our lives. And I think all along the way, all along this journey, God is asking us, what about you? When are you going to give me you? You're really worried about all of these other people and all of these other situations and getting for yourself what you can get, but, but when are you going to give me you? When are you going to let me have you in your entirety? Because he has already given himself to us perfectly and completely. So what's keeping us this morning as, as followers of Jesus Christ from walking humbly with God? If your answer to that question is this person or this situation or this thing or that, we're not starting in the right place. In fact, maybe in this moment I could ask this question, what what is God bringing to our minds? Maybe something has been brought up in your mind right now that, that is keeping you from walking with him. Walk humbly with your God. Whose power do you want to be on display in your life? Do you want your power and strength and might to be on display, or do you want God's power to be on display display in your life? Do you want people to look at your life and see how awesome you are, or do you want people to look at your life and see how awesome God is? Could it be that our insecurity as believers, has affected our willingness to walk humbly with God, that because why should, why, why should God get the credit for the things that we do with our life? Could it be that, that, that our need to get the credit has actually kept us from getting to know God? And if, if we really knew God if we really understood God, if we really had a proper understanding of who God is, we would understand that we want him to get all the credit. 
If we really knew how much God loved us, if we really understood how much God loved us, if we really knew all of the good that God has in mind for us, if we really understood how much it actually costs God for us as his children to be able to know him, which the cost was what? Jesus, God's only son, coming and dying on a cross and paying the price for our sins, our rebellion against God. That's why Jesus died on the cross. That was the cost. If we really knew all of these things, wouldn't we just in an instant decide, I'm going to walk with you, not try to make you walk with me? And maybe it all comes down to this, that we don't really even understand who we are in God. Too many of us, I think, try to define ourselves in our own terms. But if our definition of who we are doesn't start with God, we might be trying to make God walk with us. Who am I? Well, well, God, God gave me this. God blessed me this. Who am, who am I? Well, God created me in his image. That's who I am. I'm made in the image of God. That, that's who I am. Well, who are you? I'm a, I am a successful this or that. Who are you? Are you starting with God? Can you imagine with me as we start to wrap things up and move towards a close, can you imagine with me just for a few moments, put your imagination to work and just start to try to visualize if we can what it might look like if we all did this, if we all walked humbly with our God. What would your life look like if, if you were the kind of person that just humbled yourself and reached out and took God's hand and walked wherever he led you? What, what would that look like? How would your week, starting this afternoon, once you leave this place, all the way through next Sunday morning, how would it look different if you were in constant prayer and communion with God, letting him lead you where he wants you to go and letting him tell you what he wants you to hear? What if, as a body of Christ, instead of trying to get God to walk with us, we just go wherever he leads? And by the way, if we, we let him lead, he's going to lead. We'll, we'll have someone to follow. He'll lead us to someone who needs mercy. He will lead us to act justly on behalf of someone else. He will lead us to feel compassion in our hearts for the people around us who are lost, who have suffered under the greatest injustice of all times, which is that they don't even know that there is a Savior who came to offer them a new life. And, and He will cause you to feel compassion and stir justice in your heart to let them experience God's grace. What if, we, what if we all just stopped trying to, to get God's approval of our plans and we just gave him our unconditional approval of his plans of our life? Instead of just trying to get God to rubber stamp our plans, God, this is what I want, this is what I want, this is what I want. Will you give me this? 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 Will you do this? Will you do this? What if we just, what if we just said, no? <laughs> it's your plan. You lead. Where are we going today, God? What are we doing today? Who are we caring for today? Who are we loving today? Who are we showing mercy to today? Do you know what it would look like? It would look an awful lot like Jesus. People would see Christ in us. People would see Christ in us as we go out and we feed the hungry. They would see 
Christ. People would see us clothing the naked and they would see Christ in us. People would see us caring for the widows and the orphans and they would see Christ. People would see us walking alongside the homeless and they would see Christ. People would see you caring for that coworker that drives everyone in the office absolutely out of their minds and they would see Christ in you. People would see you forgiving someone who wounded you deeply and they would see Jesus Christ. People would see you being patient with all kinds and all kinds and manners of crazy people and they would see Christ in you. People would see you being full of hope and full of life and full of joy and full of passion and they would see Christ. People would see each and every one of us being peacemakers in the world seeking to bring in God's great generous peace that he wants to restore into all of humanity and as they see us acting as peacemakers, they would see Christ. Is that what we want for our lives? what I want for my life. It's what I want for, for the life of this body of Christ is that people, when they see us living out our faith, walking humbly with God, they see Christ. And when we do this, when we walk humbly with God, we realize there's nothing in, worth, nothing in life, nothing in life worth holding on to more than God's hand. Can you imagine what it would look like if God's power was on display in each of our lives? If we all just did, went and said wherever and whatever God wanted us to do. If we were all in such a relationship with our Heavenly Father, we just, we just did what He went. You know what? I think because of the evidence I've seen of how this has played out in our church for thousands of years, our forefathers who have come before us, it would literally, because it has, change the world. My prayer for me, my prayer for us as the followers of Jesus Christ is John the Baptist's prayer in John chapter 3 verse 30 is that he would become greater, I would become less. Let's stand together. Just ask if you would bow your head and close your eyes. The band is going to come. We'll take communion after the song. And, but before we do, I just, just want to pray for us as God's body at 6A Church. I want to pray for his family. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you're here this morning and you would say, yeah, I've been walking in pride. I've been trying to do things my own way and trying to get God to walk with me, and I want to repent of that. I want to turn away from that this morning and do things God's way. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? Yeah, I just want to pray for you. All right, you can put your hands down. We raise our hands because I think it's important that, that we make the connection between our entire being, that, that God makes this change in us, not just in our minds, but in our hearts and in our strength. Heavenly Father, for those who raise their hands and who want to walk humbly with you, who, who are sick and tired, they're fed up of doing things their own way by their own strength and their own power and their own might, they, they, this morning they want to lay that down and want to walk with you. I pray, Father, that they would, more than anything else in this moment, more than any creative words or questions or phrases that I have said, to more than anything that they would just see you. 
Heavenly Father, I pray that they would open the eyes of their heart, that the eyes that you have opened, but maybe they have closed, that they would open the eyes of their heart to see you and, and to look upon your goodness, upon your grace, upon your mercy, upon your love. To see it not just with our mind's eye, but with the eyes of our heart. And Father, I pray that you would root that, that, that image of who you are so deep in us that it changes us from the inside out, that it literally affects everything about who we are, that when we leave this place, that, that this love of God which surpasses all understanding, all knowledge, all wisdom, all revelation, all insight, this love of God that is so far greater and beyond anything we could ask or imagine, that this love of God that we cannot even comprehend, that this love would be what becomes our roots, that this love that, that we have received as this free gift that was poured out for us in Jesus Christ, the expressed person of God as he walked on this earth, that we, that we would receive this love down to the core, the pit of our soul, the very depth of what makes us who we are, and that would become where we are now rooted from this point forward, and that from this point forward, we would expect to see you producing fruit in our lives as we're attached to you in the vine. I pray, Father, for all of us that, that you would let those words of James that he's quoting from your word to draw near to you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you that those words would just saturate every single one of our hearts this morning. That we would find ourselves this week and the week ahead with the desire to reach out and hold your hand, to reach out and draw near to you in every instance, in every situation, in every circumstance, to draw near to our Father. I pray, Father, that, that through that relationship you would give us a greater desire for your word of truth, that through that relationship you would saturate our minds and our hearts with that truth, I pray, Father, that you would give us through that connection, through that relationship, a greater desire for your community, for being placed in your body and fellowshipping with other believers and, and building up these relationships of eternal significance and eternal importance that, that you would draw us into this kind of a life and that, that you would build us up in relationship with one another so that we are able to, through the, through the wisdom and understanding of what God has taught us in his word as we walk together praying unceasing, that you would help us to encourage and prod and prompt one another on to the love and good deeds that you have in mind for us from the very beginning. Since before the foundations of the world were laid, you had a plan for us to do your good works and your good deeds, that you would, in this body, stir us up to that. God, don't stir us up to anything else except to what you have for us. May we be your faithful followers here at this church. And we ask in faith, believing that what we have asked is for your glory, for making your name great, for building up your kingdom. And we just want to live that out from this day forward. We as your people, called by your name, human beings made in the image of God, do those simple things that are required of us, like doing justice, loving mercy, and walking humbly with our God. In Jesus' name, we all prayed together. Everyone said, amen.